Have you seen it? Have you seen it? Welcome to the fashion scene. Hello guys, welcome back to this week's episode of the podcast. I have the lovely Lee Nyes here today. If you want to introduce yourself quickly. Yes. Hi, thanks. My name is Lee Nyes and I am a career coach working specifically with people who are looking to transition to different careers. So I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today. I love the content you share. Leah shares a lot of content about switching career paths and kind of how that goes, as well as leadership advice and like all of the things we talk about on the podcast. So I'm very excited to hear what she has to say. And if you are either looking to break into the workforce or trying to transition jobs, this episode is definitely for you. First of all, I want to hear a little bit more about like what you do and how you got to where you are today and found that this career coaching job was your passion. I have been in higher education for most of my career and kind of promoted up the ranks to, to a senior leadership position. And so I was involved in a lot of hiring and training and development of staff. And I really enjoyed that part of my job. I got to a point in my career where I had to make a decision what I was going to do next. So, you know, I was traveling up the career ladder rung and just got to a point where I didn't think I wanted to continue doing what I was doing. And so I did a, a complete 180 and I went up into private business, and worked at a startup for a year and a half. After that experience, I said, what I really like doing is working with people, developing people's leadership skills, supporting them to, to grow their own careers. And so I took some time off and decided to launch my career coaching business so I could focus exclusively on helping others reach their potential. I've been doing that for almost a year now and really enjoying it and have found my niche in helping people who really maybe struggle to know what's next in, in their career, what they want to do. In working with people for several months now, I've put together a, a process. I call it my five-step process to help people identify what their goals are and move forward to find career opportunities that are really going to fit their needs. That's awesome and really good to hear about. And we're going to hear a little bit more about the five-step process later, which I'm very excited about. So you just said you went to school at Marist and now you're in the Midwest. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about college background and kind of like how that all went. Great. Okay. Well, first and foremost, I'm Canadian and uh, grew up in Toronto, Ontario. Decided end of my high school that I was I was going to play um, volleyball in in Division One in the U.S. And so I was looking at different schools, visiting different schools, and found Marist to be a perfect fit for me. Small college, great programs, fairly competitive in the division that they were in, and for me it was a really good fit. I wanted to go somewhere where I could get a really quality education and also have experience in athletics as well. So I had a fabulous four years there. I studied abroad during my time and actually did an internship while I was abroad. So I kind of killed two birds with one stone and then graduated with a bachelor's degree, contemplated working in New York City on Wall Street. That was kind of a typical path for a lot of people who are in my program, but moved back to Canada, took some time and um, decided that that international experience that I had was really pivotal for me and my experience 
finance. And so I started to look at job opportunities in that field and ultimately um, got an opportunity to break into the field here in the Midwest. And I've worked my most of my career now here in the Midwest. It was a big transition from the East Coast, but I like to encourage people to not limit themselves. You never know what opportunities are going to open up for you geographically or in the industry you're looking at. If I could go back and tell myself words of wisdom, it would be to just feel free. Now is the time when you're young and you don't have a lot of obligations tying you down. Try different things because you will be working for 40 plus years. There's a lot of time to dedicate and devote to your career, but find something you really enjoy doing and don't be afraid to try things out. Yeah, that's great advice. And I'm also interested. So Marist is a very big fashion and business school. And we talk a lot about fashion here, which obviously the fashion scene. And I'm interested now, like having your knowledge of being a career coach, did you see people facing the challenges you see today, like in their early stages of getting internships and just like what that was like, I mean, in the fashion industry and also just like in general? Yeah, well, you know, I was just in the advent of of social communications and, and email and social media. So it was very traditional then that you would apply for things or you'd have a connection. You know, a lot of the fashion schools really have good connections in the industry. So if you were a fashion major, you'd work with your advisor, your professors, make those connections. And and those were the opportunities that you would have. Nowadays, there's such a tremendous opportunity for you to build your brand and make your own connections. So that's something I want to stress to, to people now is you have the opportunity to create your brand and create your persona on these social media channels and to leverage your network and your audience to find those opportunities that are going to help you in your career. I didn't have that when I was in college and just breaking into the field. It's a tremendous advantage. I mean, I see it now, even in the business that I'm building, what an advantage it has. So for a new graduate, start doing those things now, you know, start leveraging your social channels for your future longevity. That's what I would really encourage people to do. I think it's easier now to break in because of those opportunities and those connections that you can make, but you still need to work at it and stand out. I started doing the social content and started my fashion blog my technically freshman year of high school. And it's very interesting. Everyone's like, well, how do you get in contact with different people in these industries? And like, it has come strictly from social media. Like I have gotten jobs from it. I've met my best friends from it. Yeah, just be aware that also whatever you're putting out there is going to be public and and records exist for a long time. So, you know, when you're starting to to leverage, just, you know, always questioning down the road is, is this going to serve me or not? I want people to be authentic. It's something that I tell people you've got to be yourself. It's the best way to create relationships. But just always keep that in the back of your head. You know, if an employer looks at this, what's their perception going to be? So that's just a little caution. But I encourage everyone to, to start leveraging their social channels to build their brand. I I try to stay very mindful of that, especially with like different TikTok trends. I'm like, well, I don't know if this is very appropriate for like, but like who I am. And I I do try to keep in mind like future employers looking at it. So what you should be doing and like what you should stay away from is is very important. Yeah. And it's also true too. Don't don't stress yourself over trying to be like Gary V and trying to have yourself on every single channel every day doing everything. People struggle with that. And a 
lot of the reason they do is because it just doesn't feel right for them. Mm -hmm. Video is not my favorite medium. So TikTok's probably the last place I'll be, but I will certainly get there someday. I'm much more comfortable on the writing spectrum, the content spectrum. So LinkedIn is a great place for me for that, for that ability. But, you know, do what makes sense to you and what what you're comfortable doing because it'll let your personality shine as well. Yeah, for sure. So in your job as a career coach now, what do you feel like the biggest issues that employees face are like being underpaid, not feeling valued? Like what are the big things? And then why are so many people based on these things transitioning to new careers? Like what are the biggest things you're seeing? Sure. Yes. One of the big challenges nowadays is competition. So the pandemic has really shifted the way people want to work and how companies are going to operate. The massive increase in remote working opportunity. I'm one of those people who love working from home. I know there are some people who love going to the office and that's fine, but more and more people are looking for more flexibility in where they work. That's increasing competition for those type of opportunities. You really have to be able to stand out. An average job posting on something like Indeed or LinkedIn, you can expect about 200 resumes. So your chance to get your materials seen and to stand out is, you know, there's a, there's a very small chance, but there's a chance there and you need to be able to represent yourself well. That's why you've seen, you know, a big increase now also in people who are helping with resumes and cover letters and LinkedIn profiles, all things that I do as well, because you need to be able to stand out from the rest and separate yourself from the rest. There's been some really neat ways that people are doing that, creative ways. And if you can do that, great. If it works for your industry, great. But still, most companies still need that standard resume and cover letter. So how are you going to differentiate yourself from 199 other people who are submitting similar materials? I think particularly relevant for new college grads as well. You know, gone is the day where you would join an employer and work for your entire career and spend 40 plus years, collect your pension and then go, you know, go enjoy your retirement. An average worker will change jobs every five to seven years. And that timeline continues to get smaller and smaller. So people are looking for opportunities to build their skills. People are also looking for fair compensation. I mean, you're investing a lot of time and money into your academic career and you want to get a return on that investment. You want to be able to pay your student loans if you have student loans or uh, you want to start building your own career and building your own life. So looking for fair compensation is another reason why people are are shifting careers and just looking for that right fit for their lifestyle. You know, people want to be able to work and contribute to an organization, get paid well, but also do that work in a manner that works for their life as well. And I think that the pandemic has kind of pushed your traditional employer to start thinking that way um, because they want to hire the best people as well. And so if that's being more flexible and how people are working and where they're working, then they're going to do it. Yeah. And I don't know if you work with strictly like graduates or you have worked with some um, college age kids, but I'm interested to hear your take on internships and like how you feel about them unpaid versus paid and kind of what that looks like and how important they are when applying to jobs and just like kind of your opinions on those. Cause I talk a lot about that. And personally, I feel like paid internships are important because I have been in some very toxic work environments for internships. But I also know there's a certain degree to that. And like, you can be getting college credit and different things. So I just wanted to hear what you had to say. Yeah, I'm definitely with you on that wavelength. 
I mean, internships are a great way to gain work experience. And if you're going into a company and contributing to your bottom line, I feel you should be fairly compensated for that experience. And I do understand sometimes it's for college credit. I mean, I mentioned that I did an internship. I did it for college credit and I, and I worked at an organization. I certainly got good skills and a good line on my resume. You know, but I, I spent a significant amount of time in that workplace and, and getting there and getting back and, and everything. So I have a different perspective on it now, now that I'm out in the field and, and see how things work. I would definitely encourage you to look for paid internships. And there are many of them. Mm-hmm. It's very similar to job interviews. And I don't know about your particular experience, but there are situations where companies will ask you to do a project for a job interview. You know, why don't you show me design a year's worth of social media plan or design a plan for social media for a year. And I'm very cautious about those opportunities because, you know, potentially you're giving away something for free that you would do. And and I've given the advice to some people. It's a totally acceptable response to say, I'd be happy to do that if I was compensated for it. You know, that, that may hurt your chances down the road of getting that job. But I think you need to think about an employer who would ask you to do stuff for free rather than Mm -hmm. being compensated for it. So I do feel that internships are important. And I say that because education is only one component of being employed. Experience is a whole other thing. If you go to any job posting and you will see one line for education, and then you'll see another five, six lines for skills that you need. And so an internship can be really key because you're going to get those work skills that you have that will complement your education. It's a bonus. And so I encourage anyone, if you're in if it's in the summer, if it's over the winter break, or even you take a semester out to do an internship, do it because it will build your skills in a way that you wouldn't get if you were just going through your college career than graduating. Yeah. I love what you have to say about the internships and the projects. First, I would say, yes, thank you for sharing that there are so many paid internships because there are, it's just about finding the right ones. And I think we're thrown a lot of these like unpaid internships, but there also are a lot of paid ones. And then if you really can't find one, at least be getting college credit, high school credit, whatever you can for it. Don't just go into it getting nothing and just being experienced because while the experience is important, you are providing so much value. The project thing, I've seen this all over TikTok. I don't know if you have seen this, but so, so many companies now are saying, hey, can you do this project? And then not hiring people, just totally ghosting them, which we need to be very cautious of. I had actually worked on a project and I didn't really think about the outcome because it was technically this unpaid thing. And I hadn't thought about like what would happen for the person I was working for because of this thing and like all the media coverage that it would get. And then my name wasn't on anything and I wasn't getting compensated either. So I think it's important to think, okay, I'm going to do this project and what is the result of this? And like, what is it going to give this company? And like, again, like you said, asked to be compensated for it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a difference between projects and assessments because some Mm -hmm. companies are going to want you to do skill assessments or personality assessments. And those are a little different, but when it comes down to project work, just be really cautious of how much time you're, you would spend or if you want to do it at all. Yeah. I love that advice. Thank you. That, that was great advice. So kind of on that note, how do we as employees or interns find that balance between working hard and being a good employee, but also being able to set boundaries. Because I think a big thing that I'm trying to 
to share with people is don't be lazy. Like I'm not saying don't do your work, don't be lazy, but work hard, but also be able to set boundaries. So what is that line? Like, how would you define that line for people? Yeah, I'm I'm your classic type A overworker. And, but here's the, here's the key to remember it. It's what type of expectations are you setting up for yourself? And so one big thing that I have done is there's a certain time point of time in the day where I don't respond to social media, emails, anything, because in the past, you know, I worked seven days a week and I was always on. And if someone sent me a message, I respond, my calendar was open. And, you know, there was the perception and expectation that I was available all the time. And that immediately in itself just kind of burned me out because there was no delineation between my work time and my life, you know, time that I needed. So my calendar gets shut off at a certain period of time. My weekends are always blocked off for myself. And it took working for over a decade to do that because I think when you're, you're young, you don't want to say no. And a lot of hard workers are yes people and they want to take more on, do more. But the reality is when you get in that situation, then you're not doing your best work. You're doing what you you can to survive. And that's not sustainable. You're going to burn out at some point. So whatever it is for you, set your boundaries, be very clear about it up front. And once you have that conversation with your boss, your coworkers, and they have an understanding, they'll have that respect and expectation that, yeah, she's not going to respond until she gets back on Monday and that's fine. So start doing it early. I often respect people who do that because I see they do have clear boundaries. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think that's something I've learned over the years, at least like the weekends, especially or late at night, like you are off the clock, you should not be working. And that's, I mean, running my own business, that's a really hard thing to do. But especially when working for others, like your boss shouldn't be texting at 11 o'clock at night, that's yeah, you can respond the next morning, you do don't need to respond right at that time. So when you do like know that it's a toxic workplace for you, or you're realizing that it isn't a good fit, and you're just like not able to set those boundaries and be respected, when is it time to move on? Like, what are those signs that it's time to move on? I know this from personal experience fairly recently, and, and I waited too long. And I started showing physical signs of, of burnout, you know, and to not sleeping, to being agitated, to, you know, not even stressing out near the end of the week. So I know I had only two weeks to recover before I'd have to get back into that situation again. And I think you'll start to see earlier on, you'll start to see signs of how are people communicating? How are they communicating with each other? How do decisions get made in the organization? A lot of the toxic work environments that people have talked to me about or that I've experienced have been a result of this feeling of not having control over your work and your work environment, that control and authority and power lies elsewhere. And they, you know, you don't, you're not really able to, to promote your needs in that type of environment. And so start thinking about how are decisions being made? How, how is communication between people and to try to get down to the root of that issue and see if you can't take control over your schedule, figure out what are your needs? What you need to do is it drawing that communication or drawing that boundary and how you're going to communicate when you're going to communicate. And is that acceptable? If it's not acceptable and they want you to be on call 24 seven, then maybe that's just not a good fit. And it comes down to a mismatch in 
expectation with your supervisor, your company, and what you want out of your opportunity as well. And once you can start identifying those things, what can you do to address them? If you can't address them, then maybe you need to think about moving on or moving to something else. Yeah. And when you are realizing that it might be time to move on, I know a lot of people are very fearful of switching jobs and having to go through that process. What is your advice when people come to you saying they're scared to switch their jobs, even though they know it's a toxic work environment? Yeah. Part of it is I just say, don't wait till it's too late because the repercussions of you waiting too long can, can be drastic. In my situation, I ended up in the hospital with a doctor telling me I'd have either a stroke or a heart attack. And that was frightening with two young kids at home and, you know, a husband and a family. So for me, it was an easy decision, but I waited too long. So my, my advice for a lot of people is to one, maybe do what you can to be financially prepared if you need to quit a situation and give yourself some time because it's not going to happen overnight, you know, that you're going to leave on a Friday and start a new job on a Monday. But you can also do little things like you can keep your resume updated. That's a huge one. And, and not it's very surprising to me how many people don't do that. Or, you know, they wait five years, 10 years to, to when they need to get out of a situation that they don't have any materials. Start thinking about what your next opportunity might be. And when I talk about that five-step process that I use, the first step of that process is figuring out what your non-negotiables are. So figuring out what it is that isn't working in the situation you're in that you want to avoid in the future. And for me, that was huge. I went from a situation that I had to work seven days a week. I was on call 24-7. It was compounded by the pandemic and having to lay off a bunch of people. So it was just the timing was awful. But I said, I need complete autonomy over being able to say, I need time, I need flexibility, I need to do this. That for me was a big non-negotiable because that's what got me in the situation in the first place. So have a backup plan, have your resume ready and figure out what it is you want in the next opportunity and what you won't negotiate on. Yeah, I agree. And I've heard, I've I interviewed someone a while ago saying that she, when she was switching her job, she made sure to save up money to at least have like a few months if she needed it just to like fall back on. And that seems like something that is very important to have. Yeah. So you did start talking about your five-step process. So I love to get into that because I feel like that would just be amazing to hear about. Sure. Yeah. So that process is designed for individuals that I work with who want to make a change in their career, but don't know where to start. And I've broken it up into five sessions that that I work with people. The first session is kind of understanding why you want to make the change. You know, what is it in your current career that is frustrating to you? or causing you to want to make a career. And it can be for a variety of reasons. Some people just get bored at what they're doing. Other people want out because of a toxic work environment, or they're ready to make a complete change into a different industry. So whatever it is, we try to uncover that through some coaching sessions and some some one-on-one work. And I can kind of ask the right questions to tease some of that information about. And then we dig into more of the, what do you really enjoy doing? Now, I don't just limit that to work. It's like, what what inspires you? Do you like to run marathons? Do you like to do art, you know, is going to movies and things like that your thing? So people can start thinking about those experiences that really drive them to want to do things. At the same time, we want to talk about what drains you. What, what is really, you know, causing you to not like specific things or activities? And what I find the most is that people can overlook a lot of 
negatives if money is an issue. A lot of people that I work with have been in their career maybe five, 10 years, and they're at a point where they're very comfortable with their salary and they can overlook the negatives. But the negatives are the reason that's really driving them to look to change careers. So it's kind of like this sticking point. And I, I tell everyone, money's not the be all end all. Money really doesn't solve problems. You know, if you're in a toxic work environment and your boss offers you another $10,000, it's not going to solve the reason that you're in that toxic situation to begin with. So we try to separate, you know, those couple of things, the prestige, the title, the money with really what drives you. And then we get more into talking about what are your skills and experiences and where do you see yourself down the road? Where do, what do you see yourself doing? And try to identify some of those job fields, those job roles that might be a good fit for you. Then we dig even deeper into what do your career materials say about you? Do you have a personal brand? What is What are you representing online? And so we're kind of you know, following down this path of learning a little bit more about you, what you'd like to do and where you are, and then bringing it all together in the end so that your career materials reflect who you are as a person, where you want to go for that particular industry. So we really take people from A to E and get them ready to embark on their new career. That's awesome. I love how you are really like looking at people's interests instead of just the money aspect, because I think that's a huge thing that people look at. But I mean, you need to be at a job you love if you want it to be sustainable. Otherwise, you're just going to feel totally lost and burnt out all the time. Yeah, I had a really good career, a stable job and career in higher ed and a good salary. And I loved working with people, but I got totally burnt out with working with people. The pandemic was really hard. You know, I I moved to a a high growth startup and had to lay off half my team in the second month I was on the job. And we continued to function as that high growth startup with half the people. And so people were doing multiple roles. It was, it was really stressful. And I realized that I liked supporting people in their development much more than managing people. And so that's why this transition into career coaching is a much better fit because I can help individual people meet their goals and not be solely responsible for them on a a daily basis. Yeah, I totally understand that. I I'm with you. I like helping guide people too. I'm, (laughs) but I think managing a team is a lot, a lot of work. So totally. Yeah. And there's people who are great at it and that's fantastic. And if that's your skill set and that's what drives you, then by all means go for it. But if it's not meshing with what you want to do, you have to identify it and you have to stick with it. That's why that non-negotiables is in my title of of the work that I do, because it's really going to drive what's going to work for you. If you can say this drains me and I don't want this and you can stick with it, you're going to be much happier. For sure. So how, what is your advice when people are switching jobs to when they're applying for jobs and looking for jobs, like what advice do you have for people and what does that process like ideally look like? So if you were applying for a new job, like what would be your approach? Yes. The first reaction most people have is I better apply to everything and anything that I see that might be a a remote possibility because I don't want to miss out on the chance then the reality of that is that you're missing out on probably great opportunities for you for really great roles. 
kind of call it the spray and pray approach. Like you're just like hitting that LinkedIn easy apply button and you're sending resumes to everybody. And while, you know, that's going to potentially increase your chances by volume, you're looking at the quantity over quality. And I'd, I'd much rather people spend more time on quality applications than quantity. And so narrowing down your search to organizations that you really want to work with can be really key. And in an industry like fashion, I mean, there's people moving in and out of, of various organizations all the time. And you can really get to know and have conversations with people about what is it like to work here, or you get to know the culture of a specific place. So find out you know, how do you want to work? Does your working style, does your kind of culture you like to work in fit with whatever organization that you're going to work for? And then spend your time building connections with that organization, with that industry, so that you can, you know, if you're putting an application, you can message someone and say, hey, I just submitted my application for your company, and you're going to have a much better opportunity. I did a little experiment when I was job searching a while back. You can look at my YouTube and find this, but it's how I, I think I said how I scored three interviews with four or five applications by simply connecting with a person at the company. Now, in my case, it was the HR director. And compared to the applications I sent blindly, I had a much more significant uh, return on my investment by connecting with people at that organization because they said, hey, yep, I've connected with you. I know you. I see your application. And I wouldn't have had that chance if I didn't. So People who are applying should make sure you have great materials prepared, connect with someone at the organization you're looking for, and focus on quality over quantity. Yeah, it kind of, it kind of reminds me of like applying to colleges. You kind of want to just like mm-hmm. find someone like you want to interview, you want to find someone you can connect with. It's so funny because recently I wanted I wanted to get a job with this lady and I went to her live shows and I'm like, how am I going to? work for her. Like, how am I going to get in touch? And I ended up just like doing a bunch of like research on the company. And I hosted a giveaway on my own to give away tickets for her live show. And then they contacted me and they were like, oh, we'd love to have you take over our account for a day. And then there I made the the connect with someone on the team. And now they're looking for an assistant for this lady. And I'm like, Hey, and like, I have the contacts to reach out to. So I think literally just introducing yourself to people and just really being like, I want to work for you. Let me figure out a way to do it. So yeah, definitely engage. Your network is your net worth. They say that all your time. LinkedIn is a great place to do it. I don't think college students and recent college grads really understand the power of the platform because even myself, I mean, when I was in college, I think I started my account when I graduated and I only updated it whenever I got a different job, which wasn't all that often until I started this career coaching business and just found out how effective it really was in reaching people and building connections and building my business and my brand as well. So if you're not on LinkedIn, get on and put together a nice profile and start connecting with people in the industry. Comment on their posts and have thoughtful conversations. Reach out to them. Ask to set up a half hour Zoom if, if they have time. And like you said, you never know where it's going to lead, lead you down the road. Yeah, I think that's great advice. I think not enough people have LinkedIn that are in college and even high school, I think. But it's a huge tool to utilize. So 
you're not on LinkedIn, get on LinkedIn. So is there anything we have not touched on, like advice that you would give, say a college student, a high school student, whatever it may be, just advice we haven't talked about regarding switching jobs or finding jobs or what to look for, anything like that? Sure. I think, again, I would probably just encourage people to, you know, always try something new, try something different. In fact, I, I just worked with a gentleman who wanted to work full-time in higher ed, teaching in higher ed. He also had a very successful photography career. And I would never have put the two of them together, but there are parallels and experience and transferable skills that you can gain from a variety of these experiences that you might not think make sense, but don't pigeonhole yourself into one category or one thing. And if I were to do things differently, when I started my career, I would try a lot of different things because that, again, it's, it's the time to do it. I would probably take on learning more skills, especially technology skills nowadays. I mean, if you can, if you can do stuff with websites and social media and video editing, in addition to what you're doing, you're going to really stand out from the crowd. So take the time that you have or interests and passions that you're interested in and give them a shot and invest a little bit of your time and maybe some of your money in those skills. And it will really help you down the road. Yeah, that's huge. I think, yeah, even like graphic design, video editing, those things, Right. people are looking for that all the time. So Definitely, for sure. Exactly. So I asked this question at the end of every podcast episode, and I'm wondering, moving forward, what are things, like I would say, in the workplace that we can change to make it a more positive environment, like overall? Yeah, it starts with leadership. It's a key component of what I advocate for and really focus in and get to know the leadership at an organization that you're looking at working with. Talk to people who work there. Look up reviews on Glassdoor and other places because you are only going to be as successful as not only your team, but of how the leadership supports you as well. And I think that I have really been able to excel in my career because I've had really good leadership that has supported me, encouraged me, but also that I've been able to support and help as well. And so uh, a main component of a leader is someone who's going to support people to become leaders of their own. So I would trade in pay or a title for working with someone that really wants to support and engage me in building skills in my workforce, because that's what's going to get you to the next level. Are those opportunities. Yeah, I really think that's great advice. And I found also in my experience, just having good leaders and being able to communicate with them and feeling comfortable, like having that line of communication and going yeah. to them and being like, hey, can we talk about pay? Like some people are just like, no, we cannot talk about it. And then where I feel like the people that I see as really important leaders and role models in my life, I'm able to have really open and honest conversations with them. So I really like that yeah. advice. Yeah. One one of the things I always tell a new employee when when they are working with me is I want you to be successful. So however I can support you to be successful. There are some leaders who fear people leaving. And I am the total opposite where I feel I want to create an environment where 
you will have the opportunity, but it will be so great you you won't want to. Or if you do ultimately decide to go, that you are going to be a tremendous asset to that organization who can speak highly of the experience that you've had with me so that other people are going to want to work with me. I feel like, you know, it's equally important that you're setting people up for success in their future roles so that they can, you know, then encourage other people to come on board to work with you as well. Wow, that's very special. And I really appreciate you saying that and being that type of leader. And I think that's, Mm -hmm. that's really, I I haven't heard anyone say that. And that's just really amazing. So thank you for for doing that. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. No, very good. So where can listeners find you if they want to work with you, if they want to hear your advice, anything like that? Yeah, I encourage you to check out my LinkedIn profile. So lean eyes. And from there on my profile, you can find links to my Facebook group. I've got a website as well. So you can find out more and see some testimonials from the people I've worked with, but connect with me on LinkedIn and get your profile first, if you don't have it, and then uh, connect with me. And I'm happy to provide advice and and support throughout your career. Yes. And I will link all of her information down below. So anyone listening can check it out, but thank you guys. Thank you for coming on Lee. I really appreciate it. And I hope that you enjoyed this episode and I'll see you next week.